0: From Upstate Medical University in Syracuse, New York, I'm Amber Smith. This is HealthLink on Air. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention issued a warning about the Asian longhorned tick and its ability to cause massive infestations because this tick is spreading across parts of the United States at a time when diseases spread by ticks, mosquito, and flea bites are on the rise. So we invited a tick expert to explain what's happening. With me in the HealthLink on Air studio is Brian Ladette, an assistant professor in the Department of Environmental and Forest Biology at SUNY ESF, who also holds a position in upstate. Department of Microbiology and Immunology. Welcome, Dr. Laidette. Thanks for having me, Amber. So in central New York, we're used to hearing about deer ticks and Lyme disease, but this is something different. So please tell us about it.
1: Sure. uh, The Asian longhorn tick has made its presence known now on the east coast um, and it's getting a lot of media attention this tick's very interesting it's an invasion um, from southeast asia where a lot of invasive organisms come from um, and what's really interesting about it, like you said is it causes these massive infestations um, and it causes these massive infestations very interestingly they parasitize usually cattle they're they're a really big cattle pest um, and what's special about the asian longhorn tick is that We have yet to find a male species of this tick in the continental United States. Really? Yes. This tick actually can have babies. Um, The female does not need to mate to have babies. So the female is what we call parthenogenic and can lay up to 3,000 eggs without ever encountering a male. Now, these eggs all turn out to be female. And they last and last and last until a male comes along and the male comes in and then we start seeing males in a population. So as of now, we've only found females in the United States. Um, But however, these ticks, they parasitize an animal, drop off, lay thousands of eggs. And then keep feeding on that on those
0: animals. And you said they're uh, what they're attracted to cattle. Cattle so is the biggest pest. Dairy farms would need to be concerned yes, about this. Yes, and maybe?
1: that's a concern. You know, the, the the tick itself does cause some human diseases in in, in Southeast Asia. Um, a disease called severe fever and thrombocytopenia syndrome. It's not been detected in the United States yet. It is a viral infection, but it the tick also carries a bacteria protozoal infection called teleriosis that can infect cattle and it does decrease egg uh, milk production in the cattle. So it's a concern to, to cattle farmers.
0: Huh. Now I have to ask, does it have long horns on it? Is that why it's called?
1: <laughs> no, it doesn't. Um, it, I actually don't know why it's called a longhorn except maybe that it feeds on cattle and they found it okay. on longhorn cattle. Um, so they get a lot of these common names um, um, fr- from where they find the, you know, the, the, the tick
0: itself. So, and, and there's no diseases in humans found in the U.S. from these ticks yet. Correct. At least. Um, how did they turn up in New York? How did they get here from Asia?
1: That's a good question. Um, they turned up in, well, actually, New Jersey, I believe, is where they first uh, discovered it, on a, on a, on a sheep, um, and it was a large infestation. But then they started looking in the records, and they found, well, this tick's been around in the United States a while. The problem is it looks like another tick species that we commonly would not commonly see, but unless you're a morphological expert, you really can't distinguish them apart. So pe- people were probably seeing these ticks, but just saying, oh, they're this species that's c- uncommon to pick up in the United States, but we do see them. And then somebody found, oh, no, this is actually a new species. Um, they probably came over on, on cattle or, or some type of, of animal, um, just like most invasives come over on.
0: Well, can we talk about sort of ticks in general? Sure. Are there anything uh, that Asian longhorn ticks have in common with like deer ticks? Not
1: really. Um, they really are uh, almost single host specific. They'll, they'll infest a sheep, drop off and keep reinfesting that sheep and they complete their life cycle on the sheep. Whereas the deer tick, Ixodes scapularis, uses the smaller mammals in the immature life stages and then uses deer at, at the adult life stage.
0: Huh. Interesting. How many types of ticks are there?
1: There are 80 species of ticks in the United States, and I believe around 280 worldwide. Okay. Commonly in the United States, we only encounter about four. So you'll only see about four on humans. The rest of them live on animals, and we really never encounter them.
0: Interesting. Do How do ticks, where do they fall in the insect world? Are they low on the totem pole, or are they, do they get not, along with other insects? Right.
1: They're actually not insects. Oh, they're, they're not arachnids. insects? They're arachnids. So they're, oh. they're closely related to spiders and mites.
0: Oh, really? So if you
1: study entomology, you really won't even study ticks because entomology is a study of insects, and ticks are arachnids. So tick experts are arachnologists. So
0: they're more like spiders.
1: Like spiders and, and mites. They're actually a, a subfamily of mite.
0: All right. Well, let's talk about what the life cycle. You mentioned that. Is it it's different for different types of ticks?
1: Yes. Some ticks um, have, we call them three host, two host, or one host life cycle. The deer tick is a three host, meaning that it feeds on us. When it hatches from an egg as a larval form, it feeds on a small mammal and then drops off, molts into a nymph, feeds on another small mammal, drops off. Molts into an adult and then feeds on a larger mammal and then drops off and the females lay eggs It feeds on three different hosts The majority of its life is actually in the environment and off host on the other end of the spectrum There's the one host tick that when the eggs are laid the larvae get onto the host and never drop off until the female Is engorged and then lays eggs, so it'll live its life on the host. So once infested you can't get rid of it
0: How long would they live
1: it depends? Um, on environmental conditions because a lot of development is influenced by the environment uh, heat um, sun photo period weather um, some ticks have uh, life uh, life cycles as quick as like, six months um, we can get them pretty quick in the lab to go through the life cycle some as long as three years
0: well here in central New York I think we feel like when it snows that all the ticks are killed But that's not true?
1: That's not true. Um, The ticks go into hiding. Um, I call them to go in the little tick igloos. When you have a nice snow layer, the ticks are underneath the the detritus layer of the forest. So decaying leaf matter. It's very warm. It's moist. The little igloo ice above is keeping them very nice habitat. And then when the snow melts, the ticks are ready to come out and, and become active.
0: Do they hibernate?
1: They don't hibernate. Uh, The most common form uh, or life cycle, life stage of the tick overwintering is the fed adult female. So it's a female that's taken a blood meal on a deer in the fall, has fed off, and is the size of a grape. And it sits there and waits and waits and waits over winters. It goes into diapause. And then once the snow melts, it lays its eggs and the eggs hatch.
0: So people who are out um, snowshoeing in the woods in the winter, do they need to be checking for ticks?
1: If there's snow covering the ground, no, there's, there's really no need. However, if we do have a melt and there's patches of, of earth and it's a warmer day, if it's really cold and windy, no, ticks are not going to be out questing and climbing. But if it's a warmer day and some sun is shining through and you see some ground, yes, you, you can encounter the rare tick in those situations.
0: This is Upstate's HealthLink on Air. I'm your host, Amber Smith, and I'm talking with Brian Ladette. He's an assistant professor in the Department of Environmental and Forest Biology at SUNY ESF, and he also holds a position in Upstate's Department of Microbiology and Immunology. So, I wanted to ask you if you can tell me what's happening with moose in uh, New York and Canada and, and ticks. Sure. So the mo- moose are interesting. They're
1: they're a, l- a large organism that are of conservation concern. Um, and they do have a tick called uh, the winter tick, uh, Dermacentor albopictus. Um, and this tick is a, is a larger tick than what we see, the, the deer tick. And the, the tick likes to feed on the moose. And once it gets on the moose, it can cause these very large infestations. And with all the blood they're taking, it can really emaciate or just drain the moose of their blood. And it creates these these moose that just look very sick, ghostly. We call them ghost moose. So if you see them, they almost look like an apparition of themselves because they're so sick. And it can actually decimate a, 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 a moose and kill the moose. So it's so, a concern for conservationists.
0: You said the tick is larger than... The deer tick is really small, like sure. a poppy seed or something, right?
1: Well, the adults... A big about the size of an eraser, the adults. Okay. The nymphs are about a poppy seed. Um, the the dermacenter ticks are a little larger. You will find them. Um, I, there is a dermacenter tick that feeds on, on humans, the, the dog tick, the American dog tick. Um, and it's, it's about eh, a, a 1.5 times the size of the, uh, of the uh, black-legged tick. So it takes a little larger of a blood meal.
0: But the ticks that are killing moose or emaciating them, they take many of them or on them, right? Yeah, thousands
1: and thousands um, to take that amount of blood.
0: Wow. Well, um, let me segue back to when a person um, finds a tick on them, what, what, do they, what do you advise them to do about it?
1: I always advise uh, folks that find ticks because I find ticks on myself. I, I live in Syracuse or in Fayetteville. Um, and when I find a tick on myself, I will take that tick off. Um, I will save that tick. I will put it in a Ziploc bag. I will not crush it. I will not flush it down the toilet. I will not burn it with a match. Um, I will take it in a Ziploc bag, tie it up, and throw it in my freezer to kill it. Um, because if I do develop symptoms like flu-like illness that most tick-borne diseases cause initial, so a week later, I can take that tick with me to the doctor and be like, Doc, look, I've I found this tick on me. Um, I'm now sick with flu-like symptoms. In the summer, I think it may be a tick-borne illness, and that helps the doctor with some differentials when they're diagnosing a, a person.
0: So, to take it off, do you do you need tweezers to remove it? Sure, I
1: use tweezers, just fine-tip tweezers, and I just grab right at the base of the skin and just pull straight up. No turning, no no quick action, just a straight pull off, and and it'll they'll usually detach.
0: Now, can you tell when you're removing a tick? Can you tell whether it has actually bit the person?
1: If it's attached, then it's it's bit. Um, there are certain signs that we can look at as experts to, to, to estimate how long it has been attached, um, but that does take an, an expert, uh, usually a tick expert, and there's not a lot of us.
0: Now, you mentioned there's um, like four ticks in the United States that can transmit diseases to humans. Well, there are four we we that, readily that we
1: encounter, okay, right. And On the East Coast, there are different ones on the West Coast, um, but there are four we, we readily encounter on the East Coast, um, that can transmit disease.
0: So we've heard about Lyme disease here, sure. but what else is out there?
1: There's a lot. The, the tick that transmits Lyme disease can transmit seven different pathogens. Um, so we've, we're hearing about babesiosis, which is spreading from the Hudson Valley, anaplasmosis, um, ehrlichiosis is spread by a different tick. Um, there is a, a, a type of ehrlichiosis that is spread by the black-legged tick that's being impl- implicated in human disease. Viruses like Powassan virus, which, is, which has been in the, in the, the news recently, um, there's red meat allergy, which is a, uh, a, an allergy you get, uh, or p- folks have gotten after being bitten by the Lone Star tick. They become allergic to any red meat, which would be... For, Forever? Ter- yes, it would be terrible. It's like an anaphylactic wow. reaction, like a peanut allergy. Wow. But it's because of a, a salivary protein in the tick um, that people develop this allergy to red meat.
0: Wow, I had not heard about that.
1: Wow. Uh, some, something new almost every year. There's bourbon virus. There's, there's stuff coming out all the time.
0: Well, that CDC warning mentioned that uh, the number of diseases spread by ticks, mosquitoes, and flea bites is on the rise. Well- why is that? Well, it's,
1: it's two factors. Um, one is that we're seeing the spread of the tick into new areas. So, um, you know, humans are encountering ticks more often. Um, now ticks are increasing in numbers. Um, the other thing is we're getting a lot better at diagnosing and recognizing illness. Our science is getting better. Um, so we're able to, um, when we, we think about the recent outbreaks of Zika virus, that it's a flavivirus. We've, because of these large outbreaks, um, pandemics, We've our diagnostic tests are just better, and we're able to pick up very similar viruses in humans that are related. So that's kind of a, a science is really opening the world up to how many viruses or bacteria actually in these ticks, and there's a lot.
0: Sounds like it. Now, what about um, climate? And And we've heard talk of climate change. Is that having an impact on... And- it
1: is indeed. Um, so ticks develop. Remember I said they, they live most of their life off the host and they go through developmental stages. And I, I, I compare it to upstate New York. You're not going to have an orange tree in your backyard because we don't have the right temperatures to support the development of that tree and those citrus fruit. Same thing with the tick. They get to a certain area and they need a certain amount of heat, a certain amount of light, heating degree days, growing degree days, if you're a, a gardener, to get through their developmental cycle. Some areas don't get that. Some areas are on the verge. As climate change happens, those areas on the verge will become more more environmentally friendly to those ticks, and they'll get through their developmental cycle, and we'll be growing ticks and citrus in our backyard.
0: Wow. Well, let me ask you about vaccines. Um, there's a vaccine for Lyme disease for canines, for dogs, Um but there's not one for humans yet.
1: There, there was one for humans in the early 2000s that was pulled for the market for um, uh, various reasons. Um, there is, uh, there are vaccines on the verge um, being developed, um, and in phase, I believe, two trials. So they're ro- rolling out into human populations. Probably 10 years away if everything goes as as, as planned. Um, but but they are being developed. And people are actively working for those.
0: That's just for Lyme. But all of the other things that you mentioned. are Is there work being done for vaccines?
1: Not really. Um, there is a, a, a tick vaccine for tick-borne encephalitis virus, but we don't have that in the United States. It, it's more of a, a, a Russian-Asian continent problem. Interesting. Now, there is some work being done for anti-tick vaccines, whereas uh, they try to vaccinate you against the tick from biting or, or feeding on you. So once a, tiff, a tick feeds on you, your immune response actually uh, responds to the tick feeding and not the actual pathogen. So that would be a, a, a silver bullet. You would you could ke- you could keep the tick from feeding, and then you wouldn't have transmission. You wouldn't
0: even have to deal with it.
1: Of the majority of agents. Now some agents transmit much faster, 15, 30 seconds. So obviously the the vaccine wouldn't work that quick. But but um, the majority of, of of pathogens need some time to transmit.
0: So an anti-tick vaccine, so to speak, that would be like a, a bug spray kind of thing or something? No, that... it would
1: be a shot you got that, that made your immune system um, hyperactive to certain things in, in the tick, whether it be proteins in the salivary glands or proteins that it excretes upon early feeding.
0: So that might be for someone who's out, like yourself, who's sure. in that, uh, in forests or right. whatever. So, Well, interesting. Thank you so much for, for being here. My guest has been Assistant Professor Brian Ledette from SUNY ESF. I'm Amber Smith for Upstate's podcast and talk show, HealthLink on Air.